0: Welcome, welcome back to Rise to Liberty podcast. Tonight, I am joined by Jacob Daniel of the Biblical Biblical Anarchy podcast. How you doing, Jacob?
1: I'm great, Jacob. How are you doing tonight?
0: Not too bad. Uh, just got off work. Doing a lot better now that I'm home doing this. So, right on, right on. So, exactly. What is biblical anarchy? What, what's your show all about? Yeah, so
1: biblical anarchy is basically the premise that as Christians, we should uh, be focused on the kingdom of God rather than the kingdoms of man. And so my podcast is exploring basically the entanglements between politics and faith and trying to call Christians to basically reconsider what they've been taught about politics and what they've been taught that the Bible teaches about politics and you know I use the provocative word anarchy in my title but really it's doesn't doesn't even have to be anarchy just to you know do we ha- do we have to have the the giant tyrannical state that we have now and also where should our loyalties be so it's kind of twofold like there's one element that I am very much trying to talk to, Christians primarily, and to come to them with the ideas of libertarianism, anarcho-capitalism, free market economics, you know, uh, Austrian economics, and things like that, and then as well trying to also kind of make a spiritual case or a scriptural case for, you know, how we are as Christians to view the state and to view the kingdoms of man uh, compared to our call to be, you know, to view ourselves as children of god citizens of heaven and to serve the kingdom of god as uh, you know a, a true expression of our our faith and our allegiance to jesus who is our true king so that's that's basically it in a nutshell
0: so i mean i thought all libertarians were socially liberal and fiscally conservative <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah you know so it's there are You know within within libertarian thought you know there's this idea of sort of like well if if anything is not an act of aggression that therefore you are free to do it and that's obviously true in a just a strict political sense but what i talk about on my show and, and what my perspective is is that you know freedom is something that does come with responsibility like freedom is not free and while i do reject the initiation of coercion to deal with like social problems or cultural problems and you know i i I am a social conservative and also a libertarian so you know when it comes to topics such as uh you know homosexuality or transgenderism or like traditional marriage, having sex within marriage, uh, and things like that, you know, I'm know—I'm—I'm—I'm going to promote what I would consider to be the biblical worldview on all of those topics. But, you know, a, a Christian has basically two questions that they have to answer then, which is one, you know, you always have to ask, when is violence justified? Because that's what the state is at the end of the day. The state is the monopolization of coercion and, uh over, you know, and and the initiation of force within a geographic area. So it's like, well, if we're going to ever advocate for it, when when is the use of force or the initiation of force justified? Um, And then secondly, you know, from a, you know, biblically-based worldview, how are we to respond to sin? And how are we supposed to engage in this world? And it comes down to, like, being in the world but not of it. And so there's a lot of different passages that come that come to mind in that, and one I focus on a lot is from the book of Romans, and where uh, Apostle Paul talks about, you know, kind of echoing Jesus in some of the things he talked about in the Sermon on the Mount. He says that, you know, as Christians, we are not to be overcome by the evil of this world, but to instead overcome that evil with good, you know, and that, you know, vengeance belongs to God, not us. And so, you know, God has the prerogative to judge sinners and you know sinners either can come to god and repent and accept the gift of salvation that that jesus offers uh to those who accept him um or or they're free not to but whatever they do if they choose to reject him then the consequences of their sin are for god uh to execute and not for us our our job as christians is to leave those things up to god And to instead um, only justify the use of violence or coercion in a civil sense, meaning like when there's been a violation of someone's, uh, you know, self-ownership or a violation of property rights and and things of that nature. And and so, you know, you were talking about like, you know, being socially uh, liberal and fiscally conservative, and there's been some who have tried to define libertarianism as that and— uh, you know to some extent i I can to steel man their argument understand where they're coming from because what they're trying to point out you know what they're trying to do is like to appeal to people they're like trying to to appeal the conservatives and say like listen we're we're in agreement with you on you know the deficit and on taxes and and on gun rights, but we're actually you know to be honest here libertarians and 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 anarchists were better than conservatives on on those issues, right? Like, uh, Republicans and conservatives like to talk about the Second Amendment, but, you know, Republicans with the NRA have done many a deal with the left to further erode gun rights here in America. Now, that's beginning to get pushed back upon. You see constitutional carry and Second Amendment sanctuaries popping up all over the country. But nevertheless, even though conservatives... Might be on paper better on things like second the Second Amendment, as libertarians were better, and the things that like the 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 left cares about, like uh, criminal justice reform, civil liberties, and leaving people alone, we're better at them on that, but that doesn't mean that our personal beliefs are lined up with you know social liberal liberalism or social progressivism as a as a hard rule and it's also wrong to define libertarianism that way and that's it's a trope i try to push back upon cuz i think a lot of people in like my target demographic right like christians they hear libertarian and they probably although they might not hear know this term what the caricature of the libertarian that they come up with in their mind is really a libertine and not a libertarian and I, and i want to you know push the overton window back in the other direction and be like no being a libertarian is not about really being fiscally conservative and socially liberal it's just about you know asking fundamental questions about what is the state what is its purpose should we support it at all and to what extent do we as christians allow violence in society And when do we and when do we use violence you know there's some people who would call themselves pacifists and say no violence at all. You can never use force. I'm not a pacifist. I think that there are, and I think the Bible, if you read it consistently, rejects pacifism. I do think that the Bible clearly pe- teaches in certain passages that there is a correct and righteous use of force against those who are violating the rights of others, but that uh, authority that God grants to people to do that is necessarily limited. And if we, you know, we can dive deeper into this if you want the way that the Bible defines civil governance and and civil authorities and what they're to do in pursuit of things like civil justice limits that that prescription, that prescription is so limiting that it cannot at all actually be
0: made to be reconcilable with the state. So one thing I'm really glad you brought up is the difference between libertarianism and libertinism. that is one thing that really irritates me within the party or the movement, whatever you want to call it. Um, this woke mind virus that's kind of taken over, it seems like, everything, you know, the, these days. And I, other than these people saying that this is what libertarian is, I don't understand where that's really come from. You know, it kind of just seems like it's a bunch of uh, a Green Party rejects that have kind of come over and are trying to redefine libertarianism.
1: Yeah, you know, I think there's, that could be part of it. I think that there's a lot of people who, you know, to give them credit, understand things like, you know, like, what what are the economic policies of the left? You know, it's um even if you're, like, a moderate Democrat, you believe in, like, a a social, like, a, a a social uh democratic redistributive system of wealth. You believe in Keynesian economics and and things like that, and you're probably, you know, anti-gun. And so there are people who don't fit that mold, and so then they, they try to find, you know, like, okay, well, I... You know, to they, they give them credit, they have economic literacy, at least to some extent, and so they, 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 they don't fit in that Democrat mold, and then they don't fit in the, the Republican mold because they have different, you know, religious or or cultural or social values, and so I can see why they would be drawn to libertarianism, and I, and I also want to be clear here, I'm not saying those people can't be libertarian. But the issue comes when you try to define libertarianism as being socially liberal or, or you know, necessarily uh, being libertine or even like celebrating th- those things. Because it's one thing for me to say, you are free to do those um, without, and, and it would be wrong for me to uh, license the use of force to stop you, Right. But that doesn't mean I have to celebrate it, and that doesn't even mean even mean that I'm barred from, you know, engaging in some sort of culture p- cultural pushback against what you're doing. Like I do think that there are certain things that that within like social progressivism or or libertinism that are are bad for society and the culture in ways that those people don't realize that if those things are are really normalized and and are made to spread to a certain degree, that they actually promote what I would call like a high time preference sort of mindset and behavior, and they can actually increase the demand for the state, because people, like for people to really understand the problems with the state, they have to have more of a a lower time preference and not, not be judging everything just You know solely based on these immediate calculations they have to look at the long-term ramifications of things like monetary policy and quantitative easing and money printing and fiat currency and uh, things like that you know there's there's things you know understanding why uh, the, the sort of governing structures we have now and the economic structures why they don't work you know it requires you to have you know a little bit more sophisticated understanding of of how the world works. But if people are engaged in this sort of like high time preference hedonistic lifestyle rather than rather you know I don't think that a I think allowing for people to do that is one thing, but promoting a culture that says those things are good or to be celebrated, that can be problematic. Now, some people might hear me say that and go, well then, you know, shouldn't you be for using the state prevent those things right because that's what some conservatives do they they, you know they they they'll make kind of the point I just made and go and this is why we need to crack down on the culture with law and set things back right but the problem with that is the state because it's necessarily high a high time preference uh, structure is always going to uh, favor those who have the high time preference and so we see that the right continually loses to the left over and over. And even and even when the right gets into power, like think about like the uh the two thousands. I mean, post nine eleven, the uh and I'm I'm I should I should give a shout out to Dave Smith here because not intentionally, but basically I'm stealing his talking points because he just gave a speech about this a couple weekends ago at a Mises Caucus event I attended. But he's a hundred percent right, you know, I've been saying this for a while, but he says it better so i'll give him credit but you know the 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 right had control of the culture and the institutions for the most part at least the government uh and i'd say even they had a large influence over the schools back in the early 2000s post 9-11 they basically had a had a blank check to do whatever they wanted with and all they did was wage war and you know and, and honestly economically all they did was the same stuff that the progressives do but just you know, maybe what's the the saying goes where conservatives are just progressives driving the speed limit. So it was like yeah, we'll, we'll spend marginally less and we'll, you know, mar, you know cut some taxes, but only cut the taxes for, you know, the the corporate rich and the elites and the people that fund us. So they they wasted their opportunities. Uh, the state is not, you know, it's kind of like to liken it to the ring of power from Lord of the Rings. You know, it only serves one master. The state is not set up. For conservatives to take a hold of and to hold long term and to use successfully to control the culture Um, at least not on a a federal level you know maybe there's a little bit more nuance when you get to local levels and stuff but I that it's it's much more easy to uh, you know lead the culture from a local level of of authority uh, I would say if you even want to pursue that but the left you know, they're they're dominating the institutions right now because they're dominating culturally. And what we need is not more of the state, which is a control. It's it's such a self-defeating argument. Like, the the left controls all the institutions. But if we can just get the institutions, we can turn them around against them. Like, that's not going to work. What we need to do is actually, like, uh, go back to the Bible. We need to go back to... uh, doing what Jesus told us to do. We need to be fishers of men. We need to be bringing the gospel to our communities, and we need to be transforming this country, not from the top down with coercion and threats of violence. That's contrary to what the example of Jesus is in the Bible. Rather, Jesus and the early church transformed the culture just by, you know, preaching the gospel from one to another, from town to town. And and spreading out from there, and that created a revolution that's alive two thousand years later. And so, uh, I, I've rambled on so long, I forget what your question was. But uh, but yeah, I think you know, your your point was you know people defining libertarianism along this libertine route, and I just think uh, that's wrong, and that's that's something that needs to be pushed back against. But you know, I I wouldn't say that the libertine you know if someone has a libertine lifestyle. They can still be a libertarian, but they, they shouldn't be the uh, the poster child.
0: <laughs> no, I completely agree. Um, I have an issue with the idea that just because I don't want you to go to jail for something doesn't mean I have to celebrate or support what you choose to do. Right. Um, like, you know, I, I don't want you to go to jail for having an OnlyFans, but I... I'm not going to promote that as if it's a normal job, like a plumber or a welder. It's right. It, exactly. That's not what it is. Sex work is sex work, it's not just a normal job,
1: right? Or let's take something like, um, w- w- let's go really spicy here. Let's take something like, uh, transgender individuals and gun rights. That's a big yeah. thing on the right right now. It's like we need to take the guns away from, uh, from transgender individuals. And listen, I mean, I'll, I'll reiterate, I'm a social conservative, and as a Christian, my 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 understanding of Scripture would tell me that, you know, what, what God calls good, let no man, you know, change or call evil, and we can't change the definitions of reality that God has given us. God created us male and female. He made us for each other, and marriage is the holy union of the male and the female, and—, and a continuation of that original command to go forth and to and to multiply and to subdue the earth and to to bring order to chaos and there's so much in Christian theology that is drawn upon and and some you know kind of uh, you know the, the relationship of a man to his wife is compared to the relationship that Christ has with his church you know we are his bride so you know that the gender binary is real. It, it's real spiritually. It's real scientifically. Up until the woke hijacked the sciences and redefined science <laughs> to be ideology. Um, but you know, if you dig up, you know, doesn't all these gender queer people in a hundred years when their bones get d- dug up, will be able to tell unless unless they're intersex, and even then, a lot of intersex people generally. Default more to one sex or the other it's rarely completely androgynous usually it's uh I mean I don't want to be too uh, too graphic, but usually it's you know very small minute things you know like like you know defects or or deformations that can be changed but generally like there are intersex people who are capable of you know reproducing, but generally it's like one or the other, and that wh- whichever one you are is kind of the sex you usually default to. Um, but anyway, like people will be able to dig you up and tell if you were a male or a female. Now, people who struggle with what I would call gender dysphoria, I think they're, yeah, they're, they're going through a a mental illness. They're, they're suffering with some kind of mental and probably also spiritual, uh, distress and, and struggle. And I have sympathy for people like that. Um, I don't, I I can't
0: even imagine. I bet it's just, pure torture
1: oh I got it it, yeah it sounds awful um I mean I know people who've gone through this one of my one of my friends who have had on my podcast uh Torin uh, Donowski has had a lifelong struggle with this and he's 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 gone from from trying to work through it to then experimenting with transitioning and then uh realizing that that was just putting a his analogy is putting a band-aid on a broken leg and realizing it wasn't actually addressing his deeper issues and uh you know he's he's you know detransitioned now and uh you know and, and and anyway just to say that I I have a lot of sympathy for people going through this. Conservatives are are looking at transgender people and going, well, okay, one of them just recently shot up uh some children at a at a school and uh people are mentally ill. They probably shouldn't own guns because what have conservatives said for years like it's not a gun issue, it's a it's a It's a mental health issue, which is like, okay, there's a degree of truth to that. And listen, there's even a degree to truth that perhaps some people who are more prone to mental illness might be more prone to violence. I mean, listen, let's let's just be honest with the facts here. There is a reason why this suicide rate in the transgender population is up, you know, above 40%. And there's not much that can be done to to change that percentage. It's, It's the same it's pretty much the same post transition as well if they go through transition treatments and surgery and you know for comparison's sake i mean people who were in concentration camps in the holocaust didn't have suicide rates that high i mean so it's you know clearly there's a there's a yeah, degree um, of
0: american uh, slaves didn't have that right. high of a suicide rate
1: right exactly so clearly there is a uh, an element of of mental distress that is causing um you know, behaviors and actions that are that are abnormal. The issue again, so it's like we 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 can describe reality and understand it. but then we have to you know there is there is like understanding reality, then there's what do we do? There's the praxis, right? And let's let's think about this. All right, so the state is an instrument of violence. We are saying that we want to give power to the state to deem people as mentally ill and unwell. To take away their right to bear arms. Okay. Yep. The fact that conservatives. Who authored the Patriot Act. Which created the giant surveillance state. That's now (laughs) been turned against them. In the post COVID world we live in. Can't. Haven't learned from history. Is the most frustrating thing going on right now. In. The right wing here in America and in the West—it's like if you don't understand how quickly giving that power to the state will be turned to oh that person supported January sixth, oh that person votes libertarian, oh or, that or the, person's that person a Christian, Trump. that person's a Christian, that per well that person thinks that transgender people are mentally ill, you know what I mean? Like th- this is this is opening so many. Uh, doors to expanding the government's ability to restrict our rights and to take away yeah. our our fundamental liberties and so again there are um, you know I view people in the transgender group so to speak as individuals and I think that they are living you know I mean if they've des- decided to pursue that identity and pursue those lifestyles I think they're living in sin and I wish that they would repent. I wish that they would get their, you know, get get, get proper help for the issues that they're going through. Um, if I had a family member who was transgender, I would probably not want them to own a gun personally because I would be concerned about them killing themselves first and foremost. Or, you know, people who are in deep anguish can, from that deep anguish, do irrational things. But I don't, what I don't want is to use the state as a solution to this because I understand where that leads. And so that's a good example of like, I don't have to agree with anything about your lifestyle to oppose the government, you know, cracking down on your rights because of your lifestyle. Like I said, I don't want you in jail because of it. Um, But that doesn't mean that I can't also advocate for the truth. That doesn't mean that I can't uh, be a libertarian and be an anarchist, but also go out there and... To, I mean to say all the things I said about transgenderism that I believe to be true those things aren't in conflict despite what some of the more libertine style libertarians would would, would have
0: you believe Oh boy and would they have you believe that it's right. it's quite <laughs> ridiculous uh, I always love your pushbacks on them by the way Um one thing <laughs> I wanted to ask you about um so on on that to continue that note I, I personally believe that that is more where self-governance comes in as a society and that that's where a that that's where shame comes in that that's where the the ability to shame other people comes in How, how do you feel about just the the act of being able to shame
1: Yeah, that's that's a good question. Um, I know Dave Smith was talking about this like a month ago and about like he used the word like stigma, like, you know, it's like we don't you know, we shouldn't outlaw these things, but we should absolutely stigmatize them. And that caused a little bit of debate, even within people, you know, people who I generally align with had some some of them had some pushback and I can I can kind of see both sides of this discussion because. On one hand, like I think there is a time and place for stigma and shame. Um, I mean, let's pick an easy example, like uh, people who uh, would say they're they're married, they have kids, and they decide to cheat on their spouses, abandon their families, uh, walk out on their responsibilities, and like what's they what's they even then go and you know get together with a new girl and have kids with them, and and neglect like. Now, do I want the state to go and force that person to pay alimony necessarily? Uh, I mean, I don't want the state to do that. You know, at a community level, maybe like a church or something could try to do something like that. But at the end of the day, it's like, I mean, listen, I think this person that I'm describing is a is a dirtbag who's walking out his family. <laughs> and yeah. uh, I think that kind of behavior should absolutely be stigmatized i mean i think it should be beyond just like social ostracism it's like if i was a business owner uh in a town and knew of a guy who was like that i'd refuse to do business with him because i would think that lowly of him that's still not you know advocating for violence against him but absolutely you know that kind of behavior should be stigmatized um I, I like the,
0: that use of that word, stigmatization. Yeah. I like
1: that. Um, yeah. On the other hand, I think to steelman the objection to using stigma or shame, because you know, there are some instances where some people think it might not be useful, is, and this can be maybe less from a libertarian perspective, but I think it's more from a Christian perspective, which is, you know, we want people maybe to feel the shame of their sin, but is it our job to do that, or is it our job, rather, to call people to repentance and to say, you know, the, to, to preach the gospel to say, listen, yes, you've done wrong, you've sinned, you, you feel the shame of your sin, you feel the weight of it, you feel like you could never make it better, and you can't. But the good news is that Jesus died for you, he bore your sins on the cross, he's paid that debt, and if and if you accept him as your Savior, you can be born again in him, in him. You can be given a new heart. He can regenerate your your sinful nature, and and you don't have to be a slave to sin. You don't have to live with this shame. And so there there's sort of a dichotomy there of you know different thing, different behaviors or different you know undesirable actions that people take. It's like, well, what's the focus? Is the focus on the deterrent, or is the focus on the trying to restore? people who have gone down those paths and bring them back to society for the good of society and for the good of that individual and yeah i kind of feel like i don't know i mean we kind of need both right like there and and there's no there's no one-size-fits-all answer i mean that's kind of what libertarianism is about i would say you know the free market doesn't and it doesn't cover
0: everything and it shouldn't
1: right exactly i mean the free market doesn't generate a one-size-fit-all solution for for problems it generates a lot of different options that we have at our disposal and i think the problem that's at play here is and i talk about this a lot so anyone who's listened to me before will probably like groan because i'm bringing it up for the millionth time <laughs> but uh, it's important because there's some people that haven't it's the idea of the, n- the nirvana fallacy or otherwise known as the perfect solution fallacy, Mm -hmm. which is that people will reject libertarianism because it's not a perfect solution, which is a fallacy because like, well, there is no such thing as like a perfect solution to like I mean, first of all, like what a non sequitur to be like, well, libertarianism doesn't solve every problem and, or doesn't solve this problem perfectly. It's like, does the state solve it perfectly cuz yeah
0: your your solution is not <laughs> working that way either so right
1: so we we have we have to, we have to reject the idea that p- problems in society can be just neatly and cleanly dealt with like maybe on paper you can theorize that but real life anyone who's lived lived enough life knows that situations are messy and hi- we we describe hypotheticals and be like ah easy solution all right but like Life rarely works out the way that our, you know, yeah. contrived hypotheticals uh, would, would make them out to happen.
0: How narcissistic so, to think that anyways, you know?
1: That too. And and so we have two options, really. If we, if we understand that we have to reject the idea that there's going to be a, a, a neat, clean, perfect solution. We have the state, which will be the one size fits all, you know, top down forced, like, this is what everyone has to do.
0: The abused yoga pants.
1: (laughs) Right, yeah. Or we can have the free market, which will generate, like, you know, dozens or hundreds of different responses to different problems and continue to develop new uh, responses and solutions to people's problems over time. And none of those solutions will work perfectly for everyone, but they keep improving. And sometimes, like, okay, like if it solves the problem to a certain degree, that's good enough. You know what I mean? Like some yeah. things don't ever get perfectly solved, but they can They can at least, the consequences of those problems can be mitigated to a degree that's acceptable for people, right? It's like, I mean, listen, uh, smartphones are amazing inventions. They don't work perfectly, do they? Like how often do you not have a signal somewhere that you go, or you, you send a message and someone doesn't get it, or the, the battery dies prematurely or it didn't charge, like, they, you know, anyone who has a, yeah. a smartphone knows that they, they run into issues. Same with computers. Are we going to throw away smartphones and computers because sometimes they let us down and they don't perform up to our expectations? No. Like, they're useful tools that provide value and and make, you know, give us the ability to do things that we otherwise couldn't do, even though they are prone to, falling short or imperfections. So I think yeah. that's a
0: good way to look at it. So I'm, I'm personally pro shame. Um, however I do believe that there's a, there's a couple of factors that kind of play into it. And one is that it it's not a blanket, uh, one size fits all solution obviously. Um, but it, but it is one tool in the social policing, Obviously, these things shouldn't be legislated against, and there's no way to actually legislate against these these things that uh, people should feel shame for. But I think the issue comes in where it's it's having the intelligence to know when to use it, when not to use it, because there's things that you could shame somebody for that uh, that's not really any of your business, or that's just not the right time, so it's not going to be effective. Um, because there's there's a purpose behind shame and I, I think it, I think it is the deterrent, uh, but it, it's more of a, you know, like letting, letting somebody know that that's unacceptable behavior, because in my opinion, there is definitely preferred behavior within society. Yeah. So yeah, that, I- that's just always been my opinion
1: yeah no, I, I agree with that i think it's it's useful you know like shame is a tool that we should have in our tool belt, and we should recognize that there are there are appropriate times to to use it you know whether it can come yeah. in different forms it can be ostracism, it can be direct it can be economic it can it can be a lot of different things but i agree it's it's a tool we should we should have uh and knowing when to use it is important and you know to um yeah crap, I had a point that I was thinking of when you were talking, and I lost it. um I don't know if it's gonna come back to me or not uh, well, okay, so yeah, I just remembered so and to argue against the libertine people who you know would be ups- who would argue against using shame, they're hypocrites because they use it all the time, like that's what cancel culture is yeah it, those who those who have a really hard line like axiomatic rejection of like using stigmatism or shame against uh like libertine lifestyles are they're not against shame and stigma to uh stig, stigma 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 what's the word here stigmatization <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's a big word like yeah they're not they're not against uh, stigmatizing things what they are against is having their preferred lifestyles be stigmatized against It's like okay well then your problem is you know what behaviors are worthy of being sh- are are, are deserve it of being shamed yeah, not you don't want to feel shame, shame. right <laughs> which is kind of the problem with those people is that too often they don't feel shame with and uh you know i that's think that's my problem with them right and and i think you know and again i understand where there there are some thoughtful critics of of the uh stigmatization uh strategy who i think are trying to make that kind of christian argument that i made but again i think you have to feel shame to know you need a savior like there isn't like shame is a human emotion that god gave us it didn't you know it's not like it's not wrong to feel shame for doing something bad that is that is actually like if you don't feel shame for doing something bad yeah we generally think we call that like sociopathy or something like that like yeah there's there's something wrong with you if you don't feel shame for doing something bad shame is a it's a marker of you know if you're your inner conscience telling you if you're doing something good or bad so um you know i'd say i'm pro shame but i think you know as with all things it has to be used with wisdom and with love you know i i like that passage yeah in Corinthians where it's like i can have all these all these gifts of prophecy and teaching and all that but if i have not love then it's for not. and you know shame that's not you know shame and stigmatization that's not wielded for the benefit of people if it's just done to uh i don't know to to like relish in punishing them and in hating them like that's not something i'm necessarily for because even even my enemies that's coming you know, from I, a place of hate Right. Yeah. The, or like sh-
0: sick joy.
1: Right. Like, I mean, think about it like a parent, like if, if you walk, if you see your child doing something shameful, like, I don't know, like, like if my son was hitting his sister or was stealing, I don't hate my son, but I'm not going to sugarcoat the severity of the wrongdoing he did. He <laughs> needs to feel shame for what yeah. he did. And I, I want to, you know, use my parental authority and and influence him to feel that shame but to feel it in a way that it should hopefully provoke him to learn from that and to change and that's the useful uh use of of something like shame but if it's yeah. just used for you know you know out of out of hatred for someone and wanting to see them suffer that's probably not the best
0: use of it I would have to agree so I want to kind of switch gears here a little bit um, still kind of related though. It's, it kind of seems like Christianity um, at least historically, and maybe I'm wrong on this, but it hasn't played a major part in libertarianism or like the Liberty movement. Um, and as, as more as I educate myself uh, by listening to your show, Um, and reading things out outside of doing my show, it kind of seems like it's absolutely connected and it plays a way bigger part than most people want to admit, especially some of these libertine people. Um, they, they really downplay it. Um, and I, myself had just, you know, uh, began going to church again. Um, and I. I'll explain my reasoning for that real quick is that, that I saw, I saw the people who spoke out against Christianity and that right there was more than enough for me to say, okay, that's not anything I want to be a part of. That's, mm. that's not, uh, not the direction I want to head. That's not what I feel comfortable with. That's not how I was raised. And so I was just kind of fell into place and started attending church again because it just seemed for myself the right choice to make.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's really interesting. And yeah, I can, I can relate to that to some extent. I know what, I never lost my faith or really for too long stopped going to church, but definitely what pushed me to mature in my faith and to, to, to really get to the point I'm at today was noticing or kind of being Kind of, kind of having this aversion to the people who uh, were really either anti-Christianity or to, like, the progressive Christians who, you know, call themselves Christians, but <laughs> everything that they believe is actually, like, contrary to the Bible. And it comes from, like, a—like, they probably wouldn't say it this way, but I think if they were honest with themselves, they would admit that they kind of hate the Bible. Like, they like certain parts of it, but they want to cherry-pick them out, and the rest of it, they, they, they these— inconvenient attachment to the parts they like that they hate and wish they could uh you know yeah. write out or something like that so it's all kind of from this like you know whether they're atheists or the progressive christian christians they all they kind of hate the bible <laughs> they hate yeah. they hate a lot of christianity and so that also kind of pushed me to be like well i see you and i don't you know what is that uh a good tree doesn't bear bad fruit and be like well all i see is bad fruit from you so what you what you believe can't possibly be correct so i can yeah. look a different direction um yeah you know i think it's it's complicated the relationship between christianity and libertarian uh libertarianism and libertarian anarchy and you know you, i think the there's two ways to look at it that are both kind of true one is that libertarianism is kind of like christianity without christ in in a lot of ways it's like if you were to distill the parts of the bible that talk about human relationships and authority and how to respond to unjust authority and how to treat your neighbor and how to treat your enemy you know do not steal do not murder you know, essentially libertarianism can be boiled down to like, you know, what what is that saying? It's wrong to hurt people and take their stuff. Yeah. And there's no exceptions to that. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of what the Bible teaches about how to love your neighbor. It's like if Jesus said, you know, if you you know, if you can sum up the commandments in this, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Well libertarianism is essentially loving your neighbor as yourself. So and that way, they're very related. And, and then also, if we kind of, sh- and it'd be hard to really summarize this in, in a short podcast, but if you track sort of the historical developments of of these ideas, going from, like, the Enlightenment to classical liberalism, and then looking back to the Greeks and all that, and coming into, you know, all the different forms of libertarianism from, you know, left libertarian and uh, left anarchism from like Proudhon and and uh, and people like that to then you know the, the libertarian anarchism I more associate with which is like Murray Rothbard and Mises and uh, people like that you know the, the there is I wouldn't say like a straight line but it is a a, a web or like a tapestry so to speak that that you know definitely. You can track the Bible and, and the impact that the Bible and that Christians had on the culture and on the ideas of, like, the state and the sovereignty of rulers and things like that, that, yeah. that definitely informed the development of libertarian thought. And, you know, they're, they're kind of, you know, in my, my opinion, they're, they're on a meta level. They're sort of, you know, philosophies that, that care about truth. You know what I mean? Christianity believes that the truth will set you free, and, you know, libertarianism is sort of, you know, a tradition that views the state as this, like, machination of lies and distortions, whether it's a distortion of the economy, like the way the Austrian economics, uh, sorry, the Austrian economists, uh, economists, wow, you can tell I've been ta- I've been talking for like two and a half hours between <laughs> the meeting I had before this to now, so um, bear with me. Uh, the uh, ac- Austrian economists would describe like government interference into the economy as creating distortions in the economy, leading to like malinvestments and uh, either um, growths that are unsustainable, like bubbles and whatnot or and then then leading to collapses and things like that the, the austrian theory of the boom bust cycle and there's there's that way then there's also like the way that the state uh sort of like exists through <coughs> this giant lie and propaganda campaign it's like hey you need someone to protect your property rights and your life and to do that what you need is us this giant entity of people who have the right to violate your life and property
0: (laughs) it's like what people are terrible and can't be trusted so therefore we must rule over them by a group of people who are terrible and can't be trusted
1: (laughs) right exactly so it's it's at every level the state is a distortion of truth and so christianity is You know, is at odds with that. You know, and you know, I guess like the last point I would really harp on here is that this is in the Bible. I mean, one of my favorite passages is First Samuel eight, and if like I, if you haven't read it, you should go read it. I'll give a summary here, which is basically the Israelites ask for a king. Because they've just got out of a period, like in the Book of Judges, where they didn't have a king, they were essentially living in like a decentralized anarcho theocracy, where like they, you know, they were kind of ruled by local, by like like you know, judges and their local tribal leaders and stuff, but there was no centralized ruler in Israel, so it was in many ways kind of like a libertarian uh, legal order, and. You know there were actually like a hundred years or so of like peace that came from that so anytime someone wants to say hey when is libertarian anarchy ever worked it's like we'll go read your Bible because it basically describes one but like I said earlier we we don't you know libertarianism is not utopia so problems will happen uh, and, and no serious libertarian would say otherwise so life is are, messy. right so bad things did happen in the book of Judges Um, You know, it kind of ends with this kind of war between a couple of the tribes and, you know, the way the Israelites go to Samuel they say, tell God to give us a king so we can be like the other nations. We want a king who's going to fight our battles for us and take care of us and all that. God tells Samuel two things. He said, one, uh, do not take this personally because they're not rejecting you. God says to Samuel, they are rejecting me as their king. So the Israelites going to God and asking for a, a, uh, a ruler other than him, God defines as idolatry. And then he says, okay, give them what they want, but warn them that this king of theirs is going to take the best of their uh, crops, the best of their herd, their livestock, He's going to take their children he's going to make his children their you know their children fight on the front lines of his wars and they're going to serve his you know go out before his chariots and his soldiers and you will he ends it with saying and you will be his slaves <laughs> so right there is like god basically saying the state is idolatry and basically slavery yeah, yeah. i mean if that's not libertarianism i mean i don't know i mean uh, like there's so much more there's many other passages I could point to, but like I, I just don't know how people read that and 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 aren't like at the very least, like maybe we should view the state a little bit more, you know, skeptically than we do now as Christians. So yeah, there's there's I mean, and I talk about this a lot on my podcast and I I mean i I had my old podcast, the Dino Three Podcast, I had ninety three episodes on a lot of this stuff and the new one I'm doing with uh, the libertarian Christian Institute wrapped episode twenty and and then there's other great uh, I mean there's obviously the libertarian Christian Institute and they've done a lot on this there is the anarcho christian podcast uh, th- there's so many um people out there who are becoming more and more uh, aware of the not just the compatibility of like libertarianism and Christianity, but that's a th- I think it's like two to be a good Christian and to take what the Bible says about government and human authority and to take it consistently necessarily leads you to libertarianism. And I, I'm I'm thoroughly convicted yeah. of that. And I don't mean that as a, you're not a real Christian if you're not a libertarian. Um, you know, I wouldn't question someone's faith or their, their commitment to Christ or the Bible if, if they disagree. But I just think that they... You know, they're, they're a bit blinded by all, of, you know, being raised in a statist culture, propagandized <laughs> by government schools and, and all that. And I just I hope I that my efforts and the efforts of, of others who are working alongside of me can can uh, cut through all that and wake people up.
0: Well, I can definitely say that, uh, you know, listening to your show has definitely had an effect on me uh, in that way uh, seeing the correlations between the two and kind of bringing me back into my faith. Uh, obviously that's my own personal journey. And, uh, if anyone else is not having that journey, there's nothing wrong with that. Um, that's it's just what I'm going through. Um, but I definitely do appreciate that. So
1: thanks, man. That's awesome. I, I'm glad that you've, uh, that you've, you've found value from what I do. And I'm, I'm glad that, uh, it's cool to hear that you've, uh, you know, kind of re refound your faith and are going back to church. That's that's awesome. I'm really happy yeah, to hear that. You
0: know, I'm you know sticking my toes back in the water. You know, yeah. it's it's, <laughs> it's just things are so crazy these days. It oh, just I know. It, it's like we we are definitely going through a spiritual battle and uh you know Thanks. I'm There's definitely another... gonna be on the right side. <laughs> I
1: mean that's another verse that that plays into here. I mean uh we don't struggle against flesh and blood, but against principalities and yeah. the authorities and, and the uh, uh, spiritual forces of darkness. I mean, and, you know, the the state, I, I can't, I should go back and count this so I can give an accurate number, but I want to say it's like somewhere between 6 and 12 times in just the New Testament alone and countless more in the Old Testament, uh, God and the people in the Bible writing through the inspiration of, of the Holy Spirit Compare the state and human kingdoms to uh, kingdoms of Satan, and basically call Satan the ruler of this world. So,
0: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, every just look like a communism, <laughs> right? It's like I
1: mean, if you the more you connect these dots, the more it's like like really like you know, you know, our struggle in this world as Christians is against spiritual forces, and those are often um, working through the state. In in demonic and evil ways so i mean like i was saying earlier like conservatives who want to take this instrument and use it for good it's like i mean now listen god sometimes works good out of evil and he's used what the, what evil nations mean for evil and turned it for well turned it for good getting too monster here with my hands I'm on <laughs> uh you know and, and used it for good but that doesn't mean that we can take those evil institutions ourselves and yeah. you know, make them do good. I, I view these institutions as essentially demonic and owned by Satan. And anything we do in them is essentially going to be done to uh the the service of a kingdom that's not God's. So that that's something to consider.
0: Yeah, uh, I'm I'm gonna have to agree with that hundred percent. I I couldn't have said it better myself. But, on that note, I think we're gonna wrap up here. I don't want to keep you too long. I know you've had a long evening. Um, but before we uh, close out here, I do have one question. I always ask all my guests, and I love hearing everyone's answer. Um, so the the final question is, why does liberty matter in the first place?
1: Why does liberty matter? I mean, liberty is the ability of us to to choose to do what is right and to reject evil, and to take per, per, to take personal responsibility. Like that—that's ultimately why it matters. It, like it doesn't matter in like you know what some libertarians would say is like it matters so that I can go own guns or I can go smoke weed or I can just do whatever <laughs> I want. But that's not why it. Liberty doesn't matter so that you can do whatever you want. Liberty matters so that you can do what is right. You need liberty in order to do what is right, because the opposite of liberty is tyranny. The opposite of liberty is is slavery and everyone being forced and coerced to do everything. And if everyone's being, you know, if everyone's being coerced, everyone has violence being threatened or, or levied against them, how can they be free to do good? Um, now, that I, I don't want to, in the face of great evil and tyranny, we can find ways to do good anyway but now so i don't want to like be blackpilled on the on the utility of like resistance to unjust uh, authority or tyranny i want to be careful there it's rather that liberty is important because just necessarily the opposite of it is evil it's like you know liberty is a it it is a virtue you know god created us with a will it is a free will because we are made in his, his image and god is free and he, God wants us, you know, God doesn't want us to be slaves. You know, God, you know, Jesus died to set us free. You know, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And Jesus died to free us from the, the, the bondage of sin. Therefore, we should go forward and, and live and not pick up that, the the chains that we were uh, bound down by uh, anymore. We should, we should live as free men. You know, it, it says that in the Bible. But, you know, but, but. The reason that freedom matters is not to do whatever we want. The freedom matters so that we can do good, so that we can reject evil, that we can do good, and we can follow after God and follow after the things that matter.
0: Amen. That was perfect. Uh, Let everyone know where they can find you. Uh, If you have anything going on, shout it out.
1: Yeah. So... First of all, thanks for having me on, man. This was a blast. I know we've been discussing this for for a while, and yeah, I'd be happy to come on uh, another time and talk about whatever else you want to talk about. Um, As far as uh, what I got going on, obviously you can follow me on Twitter, at Biblical Anarchy, and that's kind of where I'm the most active, although I also have a Facebook page, uh, an Instagram that I never use, but I mean, (laughs) hopefully that changes sometime (laughs) in the future when I find a way to, to use Instagram more. Uh, the podcast you can find at biblicalanarchypodcast.com or you can look for Biblical Anarchy Podcast on YouTube, Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, anywhere that podcast can be found. And uh, other than that, as far as what I got going on, um, you know, the Libertarian Christian Institute is a sponsor of the Mises Caucus Take Human Action Tour. So if you haven't checked that out, check it out and we will also be at freedom fest in july so if you uh you know have a some a week or a few days free in july and you want to make it down to memphis tennessee meet a bunch of libertarians you can also meet me and other uh, members of the libertarian christian institute and we would love to do that we're actually doing a uh a like panel discussion on christian nationalism which uh, I'm very excited to, to see happen. That's going to be oh, yeah. Norman Horn uh, doing that, our uh, our founder, which is a very important discussion to be having in today's culture and everything going on. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of Christians who see the growing uh, on the left and see the pains our culture are going through, and they want to try an old an old prescription that's failed. And they want to, you know again, use authoritarian to usher in Christianity, which is just the opposite of what we're supposed to be doing. So it needs to be talked about and debunked. So that's everything going on. If you want to reach out to me, again, Twitter's the best, or you can shoot me an email, jacob at libertarianchristians.com. I do have another project I'm working on, but it's so early. I'm not going to talk about it, but just stay tuned, and uh, I'll be hopefully announcing that here in the next few weeks. So, that's it. Thanks for having me on, man. Again, I really appreciate it. It was a good conversation and uh, happy to do it again sometime.
0: Oh yeah, for sure. Uh, definitely have to get you back on, especially, uh, you know, going back down the, uh, the, the faith path and everything. I have to get you back on and have some deeper discussions. So that's going to be a lot of fun. So thank you once again, Jacob, for coming on. East Coast Jacob. This is West Coast yeah. Jacob. <laughs> Thank you for everyone watching, make sure to go to rise to liberty.com slash links where you can find everywhere we are on the internet, Um, you know, help the, uh, the uh, fight against our big tech overlords, Uh, they like to shadow ban us push us down, but we are still growing only four subscribers away from hitting 600. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. So make sure to hit that like button, subscribe, share all those things that we always say. And uh, until next time, stay free, my friends.